Hi, I'm Ruth, producer on Tiny Huge Decisions. This is a story about two best friends and the life-changing decision they're undertaking. If you don't know the context of their relationship and the conversations you'll hear, you're probably going to miss a lot. So it's really best to go back and listen, beginning at episode one. This is Tiny Huge Decisions, episode five, A Family Affair. Hello, Mum. What did you say? You're going to start, of course. I think you should start. Well, hello, Mossin. I feel a bit nervous. Do you really? (laughs) Why do you feel nervous? No, I don't know. (laughs) As their conversation about a potential surrogacy progresses, Mossin and Dahlia have some time apart to speak to friends and family about this decision. So today, Mossin is in his mother's cosy living room in East London to talk about the idea of becoming a parent with some help from Dahlia. As they talk, there's real love and warmth in the room. But it wasn't always like this. We've heard about Mossin's struggles coming out as a young man and the pain that caused his family, especially his mother. At one point, having an open conversation like this would have been unimaginable. But now they're sitting down for a heart-to-heart between mother and son. And do you remember when I first told you about wanting to have children? I don't think you do remember this. No, I don't. We were in the other room Mm. and you were still struggling with my sexuality then. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to you that I'd like to have children. And you said, you know, how would you, how would you do that? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, I could adopt or I could go through surrogacy. And you looked winded, you know, you looked like I'd, hit mm. you in the stomach or something. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's because it was quite it's confronting. Con- it's confronting, but it's an alien idea yeah. for me. It was more... Surrogacy is very complicated. Yeah. And even though it seems quite a simple solution, but it's complicated. It is complicated. And that's why when you said... For me, if you think about surrogacy and you think about adoption, I think adoption's less complicated that's why I find it difficult because, you know, someone can agree, but having been there as a woman who's had been pregnant, mm. carried a child for nine months, it's that. So the intentions of someone who's going to be a surrogate are wonderful. Yeah. But when they're actually in that situation, I think that's what I would be concerned about. And I think that's what I worry that it may go wrong at the end. Do you think there's a risk of that happening with Dahlia? My initial feeling is I'd want to say no. I don't think there is because Mm. I think Dahlia is the sort of person who would not go into something at all. No, I don't think she would either. No. But when you are pregnant and your hormones play up and everything, you can't, you know, account for that. Did you ever regret it? Be honest. Did you ever regret having children? No, I didn't regret it. Never. No. Never regretted it. What, even when they're being stupid? I'm talking about my no, brothers now. No, 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 I never regretted it. But I've always said to you, I don't think I was a good mother in the sense of how I've seen other mothers who are really... Because 
There was so much rubbish happening when I was. But I think. Mother. I mean, you protected us from a lot of that rubbish, though, Mum. Yeah, you know, you know, because it was like it not just. Because we didn't have any money. Let's, to yeah, be clear. it's all. We e- didn't have it any was money. Economics. Yeah. It was economics. It was. We lived in a terrible area where there was violence, yeah. and. Um, I was in a family where I was very different to who I was. The family I was married to a family. Yeah. And I had to dumb myself down, and so really I didn't have the luxury in some sense of being able to be a good mother. I think I, d- I couldn't focus on. Just yourselves. I don't think so. I don't think. I think it makes you a better mother mm. because there were more challenges in your way. No, I love being a mother. I'm not one of those earthy mothers. I never was one of those earthy mothers. You know, well, let's yeah. you know get out. I was a very functional mother, making sure you know, you got food, making sure you were clean. You were very good. You were, you know, you were caring, and people kept saying to me, "You should have seen that he was." Gay, because some of the characteristics. Did you not? <laughs> did you not think like when I had my youngest, Raza? Yeah. You chose to stay at the hospital with me when everybody else had gone because you wanted to help me with him. Yeah. And then when I came home, and my husband, your father, took his duvet and pillow and said, "Right, well, I'm out of here, the bedroom," and you moved in. Because you said you wanted to help me with the baby when he woke up at night. Mm. I, I remember and, changing his nappy. Yeah, and they were just things that I just thought, oh, what a lovely young boy. <laughs> so, you know, and and not many thirteen-year-olds would have done that. And it's funny because now when I look at Raza, I mean, I'm not his dad, and I I wouldn't even I wouldn't try and claim to be, but even when he's being such a little shit, yeah, I just. Because I used to change his nappy. Yeah. Everything he does is adorable. And he's like a, a smelly 20, 24 yeah. year old now. You know, yeah. he's not like he's. No. But. It, yeah, because you, yeah, you both were very much father figures for him, you know. And then I think that, you know, when you did first tell me you were gay, I think one of the, obviously apart from not being able to cope with it, I think there was an element of this sadness in me because I thought oh, if he's gay he can't have kids mm. you know and and you know I love you and and everyone loves you and I th- and I wanted babies from you to be <laughs> more people like you you know <laughs> the little clones of you and I think the realisation obviously when you know I'd accepted was that oh my god that's not going to be able to happen and that that was horrible do you think that was part of why you found it so hard Yes, because that goes hand in hand almost, doesn't it? Yeah. That, you know, because it ends these, that sort of, I don't know, whatever, that reproduction of, you know, that you. Yeah. And yeah, that I did find that hard. Because a lot of people think it was religion, but I don't think for you, if I'm going to be honest, it was religion, actually. No, I it think was. it was to do with family. It was, it was. Yeah, if I'm honest with you, because... Yeah, because the the thing that I thought about was I'm not going to have that wedding where I sit. And then with that wedding, a year later would have come babies. Mm. And they are the sort of things that, you know, you think about when you, or I thought about. And, um, you know, and because you were such a wonderful young boy and a young person and a young man, 
And of course you associate that this person's just going to go on and have some lovely young little boys and girls of his own. Mm. And I think it was that finality that, oh my God, that's not going to happen. That, you know, it was hard. And And so you talked about the wedding. How does it, how did it compare to what you had dreamed? Oh, I loved it. It was because we got married two, two and a half months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, no, it was amazing. Um, I mean, I know that Mossin is, you know, a very warm and caring person. And Matthew, I'm just so proud that he found you. If anybody I wanted him to spend his life with, it would be you. So thank you for that as well. I got a bit emotional there. I thought, this is it now. This is it. You know, you're married. But not like this is it, oh God, he's married to a man. No, Just... no. Now I've got to the point where man and woman doesn't matter anymore. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I do. I do. Understand the only that. reason it matters is because you can't reproduce. I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. But um, it's all the other barriers that are there. That's, you know, because there's no way of, you know, sorting those out. But no, I... I loved the wedding. It, it was more than what I could have expected. And, you know, I had a great time. You know, like when we're talking about this, it, what upsets me as a mother is you're having to try so hard to have a child. Yeah. And I think when you talk about it, you know, your surrogacy and, you know, while you're asking me how I feel, but inside I feel sad that you are having to jump through hoops to possibly get something that comes so natural to other people, happens to them. Yeah. And that that I think about, and that really saddens me. Yeah, but, you're, I mean, you're right. Sometimes it's quite frustrating to think about the, the, the amount of um, just the, 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 the difficulty, the, the, the difficulties, the hurdles that you have to jump over. Yeah. But I guess what I would say to that is... You have raised me mm. to, to identify obstacles mm. and jump straight over them or move them out of mm. my way. Mm. And so, although it is it is it is hard, and it's, it sometimes it makes me, honestly it makes me want to scream. Yeah. Because um, you know, like, I, I love Dahlia. Right? She's she's one of my closest friends. So, do you remember when I first told you that she yeah. Yeah, was thinking about doing it for yeah. us? Yeah. I just thought how wonderful that she was even contemplating this. And it just made me feel what a good friend she is. Well, more than a good friend to go over and above, you know, that. And I think it's more than just a good friend. I think it's that it's this love. I just think that I would say to Dahlia, and if you know, is that you're doing such a selfless thing, and you're giving the gift to somebody to be a parent, and that's amazing. Mm. I'd even thank her for even actually considering it, mm. because I think even considering it is amazing. And I think at the end of the day, she she would make the decision that I know she she has to live with.
While Mossin talks to his mother, Dahlia has a video call with an old friend, Emily. So we were basically sitting in a pub a couple of weeks yep. ago and um, I, t- I asked you if you would mind being part of this podcast and then obviously had to tell you what it was about and what I was considering. But I don't think before that we had spoken about this topic. And I think it's amazing. I, I, I'm like in awe of the fact that you've kind of like gone down this journey and embraced it. But I also, one of my next thoughts was, gosh, that's going to have an awful lot of um, questions to answer and maybe potentially even implications for not just you guys, but other people around you as well. Besides being a close friend, Emily brings some personal experience to the conversation as she's currently on her own fertility journey, trying to have a baby with her wife, Lucy, using a sperm donor and IVF. Emily has also never met Mossin, so she's a neutral sounding board and has some challenging questions. Dahlia begins by filling her in on how far she's already come. One of the things that I've now, I think, overcome is some of the anxiety and worry that I had about like the physicality and the practicality of being pregnant, given what I went through. I think I'm kind of over that and I've decided mm-hmm. that actually I'm not that worried about it. Um, and it would probably be fine. Um, and that doesn't worry me. But I think some things that are worrying me now are like issues like, well, what is it just kind of setting yourself up for potentially quite a lot of disappointment? Because so how far would we continue pursuing this if it didn't work? I think there are loads of like really difficult questions as well that we haven't confronted yet about what happens like not only if it doesn't work, like at the conception stage or what then happens if, you know, there are decisions that need to be made about, you know, like abortion, for example, mm. like that's something we haven't talked about yet. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how they feel about that. And again, like what are the limits? Who makes those decisions? Like, Yeah, I think that was one of my least favourite parts of what Lucy and I have had to do so far is that every decision has to be considered careful thinking about the doom and gloom aspect of it what what I'm trying to do with my wife is very is is a different method so Mm. different questions are involved but we are essentially in the process of going through IVF um and that involved decisions and it was really stressful and I think in the end we were just like we're just gonna have to be really light-hearted about these really big questions because it was the only way to not get very very stressed mm. and our current decision about the way to move forwards is that we have both had IVF to retrieve our eggs and both of our eggs have been fertilized and then are chilling out in a freezer and in a few weeks time one of Lucy's fertilized eggs is going to be implanted into me so I guess that's the bit that's most similar to what might happen to you. Yeah. Which is really, it's very exciting, but I can't, I really want to, I really want us to have a family, but I don't feel excited emotions because I realise how, it's basically self-preservation. Like I, I realise how many things can and already have gone wrong. Mm. So I probably feel more stressed and apprehensive than excited and it is hard not to look at like couples that don't have to worry about 
fertility issues and be like, God, you do not know how easy it is. You just have mm. a glass of wine. And I know it's I, I know it's not that straightforward, but having to having to think about worst case scenarios or um not even worst case scenarios, but it almost makes you have to question your own values. Yeah. Because you're suddenly like, well, I mean, for, for us, it was even... Because when, when you choose sperm from a donor website, you see pictures of lots of children. It's like Tinder, but looking at kids. <laughs> and um, so, like, there's one, there was one donor on it. He had, like, this little fez hat. <laughs> so, well, I don't want a kid who loves a fez hat. Obviously, I'm just using a slightly light-hearted example, but it may, it makes you you start to think that you're an awful person because you think, well, what if that happened? Mm, I don't know how I'd feel about that, or if that happened, I don't know how Moss would feel about that. That like it's, yeah. it's really hard. You have to, or your husband, or even your parents. I don't know if, if they. Well, yeah, and that's so that's something that I haven't even like really. I ha- to be completely honest, I've just put to the side because I think actually thinking about my family is too is even too complicated so for now I feel like I want to try and make this decision between at least the four of us yes and then think about it and I think the other complication is that although like my husband has basically said if you decide this is something you absolutely like really want to do then I will support you okay which is really nice and that's great but there was a big but to it which is that I think he actually weirdly more than me like what I went through in pregnancy like I think scared him more than it maybe did me and I think he just thinks it's not it would be like a really big risk and again I maybe it makes us probably sound really negative and we're like really like worried people but I don't think we are but I think he's probably thinking like now your priority is to almost like preserve the family that you've got which is me him and our child which is you know I think it's right for him to think on those terms right yeah but then the other side I suppose we haven't really talked about the other side of it is that actually like I am really convinced that it's it is genuinely like a really amazing thing to do. Like, yeah, it's amazing I know we're being think... quite doom and gloom. Well, I'm always doom and gloom. I've realised that in this process. Well, I'm, I'm constantly... going to stop being upbeat. It's very exciting. <laughs> like, yeah, but this definitely like talking to other people and stuff has really made me actually feel like quite excited about it. Like, it is an amazing thing to do. It is an not, amazing, not, not amazing thing, thing. To do. I don't mean like for me to do. I mean, it's an amazing thing to do as a group of people. Yeah, yeah. To like... No, it, like, it, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. It would be in like a cemented bond forever. And probably you are the types of characters that would just deal with it anyway, whatever happened. But I think I think if anyone was the right set of characters to do it, it's you guys. And, and imagine, like, imagine all the good things, but then it's, Maybe you don't want to get carried away, do you? You don't exactly, yeah. But maybe, but maybe that suggests that you are coming to a decision because you're starting to go, like, get a little bit excited about. Yeah, but I've always had those two. Those two things have always sat. All oh, right, okay. But I just, I, I, what I think, what I keep saying this, and I'm just not sure what then tips the scales. Like, what is it that then that's then like, okay, yes, you've got all these like things to consider and anxieties or whatever, but it's you know just do it. Or do you think like, and I think where I'm at at the moment is that I think I'm in a position to say that, yes, this is actually something that I would like to pursue and would like to carry on, but I need to consider the people around me. And this isn't just an individual decision. I don't think I'm of the view that like, this is my body only. And I'm the only person that has like a fundamental decision making process in this, because I actually think 
there's two other people completely disconnected who I think definitely have a stake in my body and what it does. I think my husband and my child do have like an equal say to some extent in what I do with my body because it implicates them. Through this whole process, we've mostly heard Mossin and Dahlia talking to each other. But as they open up this conversation to other people, they're facing new, difficult questions. Questions that they can't necessarily answer together. I, my one worry for you as your friend is that because, because you clearly thought about this from every angle... So my main worry would be, what it like? Is it even possible to say no? Yeah, do you know what? That's really interesting because well, now also no one has actually broached that. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, and I haven't thought. I mean, Moss is very like, I don't want to make you feel pressured, and there's no pressure, and blah blah blah. And I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have like skimmed over that. I mean, that's very you know good of him to say that, and I believe that's genuine. That's funny because in my head I was going yada yada yada. What's he saying that? <laughs> But yeah, you're right. And I do think now I'm a bit like, why did I start this when I wasn't sure? Because now you're right. Like, what happens if I do turn around and say, like, I don't think this is something that I can do? Mm. Um, I think we've talked about it. And I think, like, my sense is that I think it's okay in a relationship to also feel, like, let down and disappointed. And I think it's, I would hope that if that was the case, that it would be okay for him to feel that. And I totally understand that. I don't know what impact it would have. But, like, I would hope that even if he did feel that, because I think that would be inevitable, even if he is like, oh, there's no pressure and blah, blah, blah. Like, of course he's going to feel, they both are. They will feel really disappointed <laughs> if I do say no. And that might affect our relationship. Um, but I, I hadn't really thought about it from the other way around, which is, like, do I feel like I can't say no now? I don't know, Emily. What have I done? <laughs> Okay, last final question. Yep. What do you think I should do? I think you should make sure that your husband is going to be okay with you mm. embarking on this journey. I think that's really important. Um because if it wasn't the case it, it it you just don't know how that might play out in the future. So do you think that they need to be your priority? Yeah. Um I don't think you should give like one tiny fraction of a second of time to consider what anyone else might think. For example, we didn't get to it, but like family. Yeah. Although that does have like annoying implications, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so here, here are your, here are what I think are priorities because I feel much more than I thought I would be that, that, you've really come to terms with a lot of the implications of this and you're doing it for an amazing reason and you have people around you who will support you through it like we you will and you always will have i think you should just really have those conversations with your husband and consider what he genuinely is willing to support or actually get he needs to get on board with it yeah, as opposed exactly. to say do what you want Exactly. That's what I think. I think that's important. And then secondly, even though we've hardly spoken about it, I think you need to know that you don't want to have a second 
child anytime soon Mm. because this is really going to take its toll on your body and your emotions and um one thing i've realized is it takes ages this sort of process like even if it works every step of the way because you have to give your body time to respond to hormones to readjust etc so all that to one side if you can kind of make your peace with those things i think it would be a wonderful adventure to embark on and i think you're the right person to do it tiny huge decisions is a chalk and blade production for apm studios at chalk and blade the executive producer is ruth barnes the showrunner and story editor is louise mountain and the producer and sound designer is matt nielsen with original music by ian chambers special thanks to jason phipps at apm the executive producer is erica kraus the senior production manager is Nick Ryan, and the executives in charge are Joanne Griffith, Alex Shaffert, and Chandra Kavati. With thanks to Dahlia, Mossin, and Matthew, and special thanks to Mossin's mum and Emily. Listener.